welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noelle Cordell. The next Catalyst Coaching Intensive begins November 5th. If you're inspired to begin your own coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit shift.us, S-H-F-T for more information. Your adventure awaits. Hey guys, I am so excited about my guest today. She's a branding expert. She is a surfer. She's an entrepreneur. She's a writer. She's a teacher. She's a coach. Um, her name is Lindsay Hawkins. And I gotta say, like, uh, the last, her, she has a really badass last name. Any, any last name with the word Hawk in it is, um, super cool. <laughs> but anyway, um, Lindsay, welcome. How are you? I am good. Yeah, I'm really stoked to be here. Thank you for um, being a part of this this uh, this podcast today and uh, this conversation. I think this is an important topic, and I think so many people are going to um, benefit from this because everyone, because of social media and you know technology, everyone is building their brand, right? Their personal brand. Yeah, and it's and it's one of those things where even if you this this isn't meant to scare people, but even if you don't think you have a brand, like you already have a brand, <laughs> like right. from the moment you start, you have, there's a brand there, whether you've been consciously uh, building it or not, it's already there. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so um, whether you like it or not, you are already <laughs> you are creating your brand. And you know, I think um, not to not to um, get off topic, but I think my subconscious is drawn to the last name Hawk or Hawken because growing up, I wanted to be a skater, and you know, Tony Hawk was like uh, uh, like because he's an entrepreneur and he's a badass right. skater and all this kind of stuff. So anyway. Um, the power of the subconscious, which is a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So tell us, let's put a bookmark here and let's back up. Um, tell us your story. I mean, you've had successful businesses, yeah. also your lifestyle. So Lindsay's one of those people when, you know, whenever she, she, um, cause we have a class and it's virtual. So, you know, they're on a webcam. Um, she'll teach from Bali. She's, she's like in sandals and she's like her hair is wet. She just went <laughs> surfing. And I, I always loved that because I thought, what a refreshing, I mean, and here's the thing, that's your brand, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and we'll talk about that. Um, but what an interesting way to enter a room as your unique, authentic self. So let's start. Um, I don't know how far back you want to go, um, but just your story, um, you know. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to go like all the way back to like when I was a kid. (laughs) Yeah. Let's start when you were born. (laughs) (laughs) But there's probably some relevant stuff that I think, uh, for me at least is important to share because I think it's sometimes easy to share a really polished version of your story and that would just be bullshit. So I'm going to tell you like the, the legit version. So um, I grew up, oh my God, I am starting with my childhood. No, I grew up on this really cool little island called Jersey, which is in between England and France. Um, it's the original Jersey. Mm-hmm. That's where you guys named New Jersey from. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I grew up here like surfing and just spending a little time in the ocean. And so, um, my first kind of real job was running a surf school here and I absolutely loved it. Like it sounds super cliche, but uh, teaching people to surf was just this, this like gift. It never felt like work. Um, and so I did that for like six or seven years. And, and because over here it gets super cold in the winter, I would have to, um, it was like a seasonal job. So I'd work like crazy all summer long. Um, and, and I had like a bar job in the evening and I was personal training as well. So I was doing as much as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And then every winter I would bail and I would go travel. And 
that was like such a dreamy existence and I was so lucky to be able to do it for quite a long time. Um, like zero commitments, just loads of really cool travel adventures. And then um, I actually started running events towards the end of the period of time that I was running the surf school. And it started with a friend of mine um, who lived in Australia and I had spent some time with her and her husband um, in one of my winters, like off season. And he was a freestyle motocross rider. Mm. And I went to one of his shows and I just sat there and I was like, oh my God, this is so freaking cool. <laughs> I really want to, like, I want to put on a show like this. This would be amazing. And right. so um, it just so happened that they were traveling back to Jersey the following summer. And so I hit Luke up. I'm like, Luke, let's do a show. And I had no idea how to run events at that stage. And he was like, oh, okay. So I like suddenly am like learning how to build FMX ramps and wow. kind of pulling all this stuff together. And so I put this event on, which was in effect like, freestyle motocross, surf, and skate. Nice. Um, and so I had a lot of connections already in that kind of industry. And, um, you know, it's really funny because I look back now and just think, oh, my God, there was like zero risk assessment. <laughs> and it probably right. wasn't the most professional event, but it went really, really well. And so I ran it for like two or three years in a row. And, you know, it got to the stage where it became a really big event. You know, the the last one I did like attracted 10,000 people. And I was kind of, I remember having this moment of standing uh, on the beach because we actually built like ramps on the beach, which was crazy because we have really big tides here. So we had to move them in between tides. It was just a whole thing in itself. But I remember standing in the middle of um, the arena that we'd built and watching the show and just having this moment of like, holy shit, I, I did this. <laughs> like looking yeah. around at the crowd, like this is amazing. And so um, they, they say um, you have about five seconds um, when you have an idea and you want to pull the trigger before fear kicks in and, you know, right. self-doubt. And so I love the fact that you just like just the spirit of doing it, you know, building the <laughs> building the bus while you're going. I, I fucking love that. I think that's how yeah. people, that's how people get the first domino going. And most people, they wait too long and they're like, ah, you know, it's not it's self-doubt and I don't know, I can't. And then they don't build anything. Right. And it's one of those things I think uh, there's that level of naivety that's really awesome about being young where you're like, well, okay, I'm just going to do it. And right. so, right. so I did that. And then, um, and then I got a job. I thought, I think I like tried to be sensible. And um, so I got a job with the government. <laughs> um, and the, so I tried to, I tried to buy the surf school that I was running. Mm -hmm. um, and they said no. Uh, mainly because I think they were making so much money out of me. <laughs> so mm. they were like, no, we don't want to give it to you. Right. So then I um, I got a job with the government and uh, working for the environment department. So it was really still along the same lines of everything I really cared about. Um, I, again, a little bit of naivety. I thought I was going to change uh, change the world and like save the planet by working for the government. And probably about two or three months into that job, I realized that was not going to happen. And it was it was probably, I think that has been my only proper job, you know, like only one where I work from nine till five and sat behind a desk all day. And, and I kind of hated it, if I'm honest. And I just wasn't having the impact that I thought I was going to have in mm. that role. And um, anyway, and at the time, my dad was really into this Australian musician called Xavier Rudd. He, this guy is like phenomenal musician. And I suddenly just got it into my head because I had been running these um, extreme sports events. I was like, oh, maybe I should run a, like a gig. And so I emailed and it, I, it just makes me laugh so much when I think about it now. I just emailed this guy's manager and lied quite a lot and said that I'd run all these gigs. Um, and I had done a little bit of music stuff with the extreme sports, but really not very much. 
anyway, and I was like, hey, I, I really want to bring Xavier right over. And um, and we went back and forth, and then I agreed a price. Uh, I had no idea whether it was a good price or not. Now, looking back, I'm like, I overpaid so much. But anyway, mm-hmm. I didn't have the money. I just was like, yeah, sure. And I remember having dinner with my dad a couple of weeks later, and I was like, hey, dad, you know, you know, like you're really into Xavier Wright. And, and uh, I'm like, I have a really, some really cool news for you. Like he's actually playing a, a gig, like a festival in Jersey this summer, like right around your birthday. And my dad was like, that's insane. That's so cool. Like who's organizing it? And I was like, I am. And it was one of those like dinner table moments where everyone's like, oh, God, <laughs> like what has she done? Right. And um, yeah, and it was one of those where you kind of had to reverse engineer it like I had. I can't remember how much it was, but it was like 10 or 15 grand that I had, uh, you know, agreed to pay. So then he said yes. And then I was like, okay, shit, I need to find 15 grand. Plus, mm. you know, I, I need to figure out how you run a music festival. Um, <laughs> and shit, so, that's yeah. And so then I, so then I ran that one and, um, and that was crazy and it went really well and it, it sold out. And, um, and that kind of just pushed me into this trajectory of running live events. And, and I think for me, it was less about, less about like the event side that I loved and more like I freaking love the firefighting part of running events. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of yeah. a weird part of me, but I really like it, right. like the production stuff. And um, and so, yeah, so I kind of started building them and, and then it got to the point where I'm still doing this government job and this uh, this festival had grown and I was like, okay, I need to make a, I need to make a call here. Like I need to go one way or the other. And so I quit the, the government job and was like, I just was going all in on the festival. Um, and at the time I was married and my husband, same, kind of at the same time, he was like, okay, I'm going to quit my job. Let's do it. Let's go all in. And so we did. And uh, we built this really cool little festival. And we ran that festival for like three, no, four years. Um, and it grew every year and it was doing really well. And, you know, it wasn't making us a stack of money, but it was it was doing well, you know, it was growing as a brand and, um, it was a crazy amount of hard work, but it was a lot of fun. And, um, and we made, we, I don't know, we just, we, we made some pretty big mistakes towards the end there where we, you know, I, I can go into that failure and talk, I could talk about it for a long time, but I, I think when I look back, the biggest mistakes were, um, putting a, like not listening to my gut instinct. Right. So so basically the idea was we, we had built this really um, good festival here and my mom is French and I have a real like connection to, to a certain part of like the southwest of France and we had spent a lot of time there and I was like, let's, you know, like, we should run something there. And so we started building the second festival in France and I remember, I definitely remember different points in that journey where it felt like I was on a runaway train and we had built this other team and, and suddenly this event was like really, really big and much bigger than anything we'd ever built before. And yeah, I remember thinking like, I, I don't know if I know how to run an event of this size. Um, and we, we, you know, we brought on a lot of consultants who, you know, the word consultant still sends like a shiver down my spine because <laughs> they're generally like very well paid people who take no responsibility. So um, that's kind of what it was like for us anyway. So and we put a lot of faith in them. And so when we were in meetings and people were saying stuff about what we should do and my gut was like, nah, we shouldn't do that. Uh, I didn't say anything, you know, I didn't say anything. And so we ended up in this pretty horrific situation where we were running two festivals. We hadn't launched the, um, the French one yet, as in it was coming up. And I, I stayed in, in Jersey and ran the Jersey one. And then I 
flew straight down to France and we were going to run, be running the, the French one maybe like two months later. And um, I remember going to Paris to have a meeting with the team and, and sitting in that meeting and almost, you know when you have that like sense of, what do they call it? Like the impending sense of doom. Mm-hmm. I kind of had that in the meeting of like, I just don't feel like I this is well enough controlled and managed. And um, yeah, we, we got to two weeks before show day and, and it had to cancel. Like we hadn't sold enough tickets. We had issues with some of our suppliers. People were asking for money. We didn't have enough money. And, um, and that decision there, although it was absolutely the right decision, it was the beginning of the end for a lot of things like that career, um, my marriage, there were just a whole bunch of things that I would never would have known at that moment in time that were going to kind of spiral out of control and just, um, yeah, just end up that, that a lot of things were lost in that night when we made that decision. But it was a really, really tough time. And for about, I don't know, I'm going to say like two or three years after that, um, I really, really struggled. And I, you know, we, we moved back to Australia. So my husband was Australian. We moved back there, um, you know, with the attempt of like, let's start fresh, which you kind of needed because we'd lost everything. We lost a lot of money. Um, we lost, you know, obviously our, our careers. Um, and so you had to start over, go through a rebirth, um, yeah. reinvent yourself. And this is where we can start talking about branding and stuff. Um, right. and, and every entrepreneur goes through this, right? This is normal. Mm-hmm. This is the learning, you know, um, the, you know, this is the Ryan holidays, the obstacles away. And so yeah. let, let's fast forward real quick. What are you doing yeah. now? Because you're doing, you're, you know, you're doing paddleboarding stuff. You're, you're doing so many, so many cool things right now. Um, just give us a snapshot of what's happening now. Right. So I, so in Australia, I, then I, uh, actually worked with a really good friend of mine who was a coach and she reached out and was like, Hey, we should do some career coaching cause you don't have a career anymore. <laughs> and so we did that. And then I, at the end of it, I was like, wow, I really love what you're doing. And it, it wasn't that I wanted to be a career coach, but I wanted to dive into coaching. So I went to coaching school in Sydney and I started coaching. Um, and I started off life coaching and then pretty quickly realized that wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, and and then I was, I was in this funny place where I was like, I have a lot of uh, like business acumen and I, and I have a lot of experience in branding and marketing and I, and I think that's what I want to help people with. Um, and so I, I just kind of started niching down and I just, the, the more I got into that side, uh, the better it became. And so now I'm a brand strategist, but w- what's been amazing is that I've been able to combine the coaching with that brand strategy, because what I think is really interesting about branding is so much of it is like very, uh, intense questioning, right, right? Of like who you are and what you stand for and what your purpose is and how you share your story. And for me, when I look at that from a coach's perspective, I'm like, man, you need to be a really good coach to pull that out of someone. Um, because you can have like a really fancy, you know, strategist who sits there in their suit and tie and, and kind of maps out what your brand needs to look like. But if you don't have someone who can ask questions in the right way to help you, um, establish what that brand looks like then it's it it can become a really tricky thing and so so yeah so that's kind of what I'm doing now and on the flip side of that I run this um other program called sup kids totally different so kind of I guess going back to my roots of teaching surfing where this is stand-up paddleboarding uh for kids but it's um an environmental education curriculum that I now license out to stand-up paddle schools around the world Mm -hmm. so it's been kind of cool because I in one hand, I kind of get to teach branding, and then in the other, I act. To, I kind of get to be practitioner, right? Like I, 
I get to do everything that I tell my clients to do through Subkids. So it's been it's been really fun to be doing both. That's awesome. So um, if someone is creating their own brand, um, you know, maybe they're coaching or maybe they're a company, maybe they're a gym, a fitness organization, you know, they're, I don't know, yoga, whatever. If they're creating their own brand and let's kind of like walk them through this, what would you say is the beginning? What are some of the questions you have to ask yourself? What's the process of uh, giving birth to a, a really great brand? Um, okay. There are probably like two or three questions that, that are key. Mm -hmm. Um, one would be like, what do you want to be known for? Right. Um, because I think a lot of people, especially in the coaching world, a lot of people start off with this very broad vision, you know, because I think, and I think it's natural because I think if you train as a coach, you're like, Oh my God, I can help everyone with everything. Yeah. <laughs> you and, know? You, and you can't. And you can. And, and like, I mean, you, you can, but you just physically, you can't do that. Like, you know, on paper, probably you can do it, but there's no way as a business that they, that will work. And so that's probably the first question for me of like, what is it that you want to be known for? And what do you enjoy doing most? Like who, who do you enjoy working with? And what's the work that, that really lights you up and that you're really good at, you know? Right. right. Uh, um, and then, and then for me, probably the, the, the biggest thing is, is the why, right? Yeah. Like what's the purpose behind what you're doing? Because without that, you're going to really struggle uh, to make smart decisions. You know, I, I look back at the, my festival days. I'm like, I have no idea my, what, what my why was in those days. And mm. maybe if I had known, it would have acted like a compass for me. Um, and so those, those two things for me are probably the biggest starting points, you know, understanding purpose and, um, and, and really understanding this concept of niche and, you know, not diving into a really narrow niche immediately because you probably wouldn't know right at the start, but at least having that on your radar, that, that that's an important thing to think about. So, well, let's say like, um, let's say you're a fitness gym, right? And, um, yeah. you want to create a, a brand and I'm picking fitness because it's just, there's so many gyms and so many different right. angles and so many brands. Um, and, and you start asking yourself why, right? Um, mm. What are we doing and why? What if it's the same as everyone else? I mean, is it so is the why, you know, to get people in shape and, and, and have them live better lives? Is that too general? Should you be more specific on why your why is, is different than other people's why? Yeah, totally. I yeah. think the way I always think about it is like digging in a garden, right? And I think most people have a default answer that's like two or three inches under the ground. And they're like, oh, no, I know my why. You know, so for a gym, it's like, yeah, I just want to help people feel good about themselves. Right. And for me, I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's right. dig that's a little a, bit deeper. That's a deeper. start, right. It's a start, but it's probably not the actual why. And for me, um, you know, if you like, if you've seen Simon Sinek's TED Talk, mm -hmm. then you'll know. And if you haven't, you have to go watch it, like, right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's so much about understanding what the why is and, and that it's a universal belief. But ultimately for me, it's, it's like, this is the thing that you believe in above everything else. It's a mm -hmm. thing that you would fight for. It's a thing that you would sit up late at night and talk about. Um, and sometimes like I have a few exercises that I use with my clients, but sometimes it's as simple with people of like, okay, if, if you were going to leave a legacy behind, like a lesson that people would remember you for of this one thing, that was super important to you, like, what would that be, right. you know? Right. Um, and, and so for me, at least so much of, of purpose and your why comes from your story. It's the things that, that have, um, impacted and influenced your own journey, you know? And that's what makes you unique because if you go down the road of like, Oh, I just want to help people feel good in their bodies. 
you are going to sound like a cookie cutter gym, you know? Yes, I was just going to say that um, whenever you don't know, instead of looking at other people's businesses, and because you're going to start to compare and you're going to start to copy and, you know, if someone's very successful, you're going to, you know, try to try to take some of what they're doing. Mm. Go inward and look at your story because your story is uniquely yours. Like no one has your story, right? So Exactly. It's like gold. It's yeah. absolute gold yeah. that you have. And most people maybe don't take the time to look at it or 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 can't connect the dots. And I think that's one of the things um, that is that's been interesting to see where you know, this whole, I, this whole kind of concept of the why has become very popular, right? And, but I see a lot of businesses trying to reverse engineer it and make the why about the business. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> like you need to step out of your business head and think about yourself as a person and, and what that is to you. And, and then you can work out how that, how that fits into your business later. But it starts with you. It doesn't. It doesn't start with like some business objective or what's what you think will sound good on your website. You know. Yeah, um, and that's you know a lot of people get into when they think of branding, they think of like the logo, and it's not about the logo, right? Right. No, no. And it's funny because the work I do, I always tell people that the work I do is like before you do the logo. You know, like I think a lot of people rush to the 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 kind of shiny, exciting stuff, like right. building a website or having a logo or picking fonts and colors. And and what happens a lot is that you will go and spend a chunk of money with a designer, and they will come back with something that you're like, oh, what? That's not no, that's not what I want, or that's not me. And it's because you actually hadn't done the work beforehand to understand the strategy that sits behind your brand. Like, right. and, and so I, I feel really sorry for a lot of designers because I think they cop a lot of flack from people because they're like, oh, you didn't understand it, but it's like you, you couldn't communicate it. And so that's clear to me when someone has an issue with a designer, unless obviously they just use a really crappy designer, but nine times out of 10, it's because they actually, they don't know how to communicate what makes them different. Right. Right. And I think, you know, also uh, brands evolve and as you change your yeah. brand changes. And I think a lot of people put pressure on not not pursuing what they're going to pursue until their brand is down in cement. And if that's the case, it's going to be a, a block for you and you're not going to pull right. the trigger. You're not going to, you know, start start building what you're meant to build. Yeah. And I think that the funny thing is, is, you know, that there's this crazy website. I, I'm going to have to find the um, link and send it to you. But it's it's I think it's called the Wayback Machine. Right. And you can put in um, anyone's website and it will show you an archive of that site. And one thing I always recommend to people when they're in that mode of like, oh, but it's not ready or I'm not quite there yet. Like go look at someone who you really admire in business, look at their website and go back to what it looked like at the beginning. Mm. And I promise you it will look really shitty <laughs> and like not very professional right, and right. you know whatever and it's like for me it's like you have to understand that that you have to start somewhere and you're better to just get your foot out the door and just start moving and just iterate and keep improving things and you know my idea of what I thought my business was going to look like you know four or five years ago versus what it looks like now totally different like completely different and I would look back at what my the first version of my website was, and I'll be like I'd be horrified to go and spend time looking at it now. Yeah. But I had to do that in order to get to where I am now. You know. Yeah, um, and you know I think the takeaway here is that um, brands they're a living, breathing, dynamic thing. It's not a two-dimensional logo or a sign, mm -hmm. but it's um, it's the it's like the uh, the uh, you know it's the uh, the veins or the pulse of your business, right and. I think that it changes and it 
goes through seasons and you come up with different messages and it evolves and all that. And I think that um, a lot of people who, um, you know, have to have things set in stone or have anxiety if they can't control something, um, they're going to struggle with that. So I think the best brands are just brands that you allow um, to breathe life into that it just lives like it's its own yeah. thing that's that's living, you know. Yeah. And it's a it's a big relief when you realize that, I think. Because then you're like, yeah, okay, cool, right, right, cool. You know, right. this might change in a year's time. That's totally cool. You know, yeah. It and, takes well, it, pressure uh, off. and so many people like they won't pull the trigger because um, they haven't figured out what their thing is or their brand is, so they never start their journey. You know. Yeah, yeah. And that's the same thing with that niching idea, right? Like you, you. It's very unlikely that you're going to come out of the gate knowing what that niche is. Like it's very rare. But you have to go out and do all the things in order to figure out which ones are a really good fit and which ones are a really bad fit. And and you just, like for me, I found that my business has grown exponentially every time I've narrowed in a little bit more. But I couldn't do it all in one go. Like it was just like narrow in, do that for a bit, then narrow in a little bit more and do that for a bit. And it's, you know, it's it's taken a, a good amount of time to get to to a place now where I'm pretty narrow on, on what I'm doing. But I'm still I'm still kind of iterating and 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 kind of tweaking things as I go now. Yeah. And um, you, you mentioned this thing in class, which I love, is that whole exercise you do with the, um, the billboard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, explain that. And also uh, um, what yours is, because I love, I love your message, the, the BU on purpose. Um, but walk us through the, the, the billboard thing, because I think it's really cool. Okay. So um, I was taught this by a coach a, a really long time ago, and, and it was this exercise that, I, that really stuck with me. And, um, and I think it's a really good one to do when you're in that place of not quite knowing what your why is because it, it requires you to step outside of your, like, your business mode. And so the idea is it's like a visualization process, and you imagine that you're standing – I always do it in Times Square. It's the place like in my head that I always go to when I do this. So you imagine you're standing in Times Square and you're looking up at all the billboards and you're kind of doing a, a 360 and checking out all the different ads and flashing lights and everything's happening and it's super busy and chaotic. And you stop in front of the biggest billboard overlooking Times Square and as, you, as you're looking up at it, it's like it goes white. It's like someone flicked a switch on it and all of a sudden it's totally blank. And you have this opportunity to put a message out there to the world. And it's this, this message that hundreds of thousands of people are going to see. Mm. So it's an opportunity to, to, to say the thing that you think the world needs to hear, um, the lesson that you think more people need to learn, that one belief that you, that you think can make the world a better place. And, and so you, you just spend a little bit of time like thinking about what might come up on that billboard. And, and for a lot of people, it's a really – interesting process and their brain tries to jump in and come up with all this like justify things it's like no just see what comes up like because stuff will come up naturally and it might not even be words it might be um, an image or a number of images but generally what you'll get to is a very clear and a very concise message you know right. and um, for me like that's the starting point of understanding your why like what comes up there is like this is the thing. And, and I, I, you know, sometimes I'll say it to people who've got kids. I'm like, if your kids are only going to remember one thing from you, like one lesson mm. to go through life with, like, what's that going to be? Right. You know, and for most people, it brings them to a place of real clarity because they're like, okay, shit, only one lesson. <laughs> like, what, you know, what is it? And, and from there, you can then build on and, and figure out, you know, how that, how that fits into everything that you're doing. But that tends to be um, a really good place to start to help figure out your why. 
Yeah, I love that. And what and what would yours be, or is it different? Oh no, it's. I mean, and that's the funny thing is, I think it. I think it. Your why to me feels like a compass, right? I don't think it really changes that much. Like mm-hmm. it. You know, it might it might evolve, but I don't know that the core of it changes. But mine, and I, you know, this is probably ten years ago that I did it, but it it was be you on purpose. Yeah. Um, and that you know, I I think most people's why um, either is something that was instilled in them as a kid, right? Or you know, something like very young that that their life experience is kind of stacked upon and kind of justified it being true, or something happened in their life that instilled this belief and so Mm. for me that was like so it's very personal yeah yeah it's super personal so for me that be you on purpose was this like something pretty shitty happened in my life because I wasn't me on purpose like I shrank when I should have stood up you know and and I look at every time things have gone right in my life has been when I've been me on purpose you Mm. know and I think so much of it aligns with with your values and 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 so yeah, it's just, it's just a really interesting process. And it's one of those, um, I always say to people with that exercise, like go have dinner with a bunch of friends and ask everyone to do it because it will start the most interesting conversation. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, and like I, I'm, I'm imagining myself, Times Square, the, the white billboard. So the visual I see is um, the <laughs> the photo of me on a motorcycle with my kind of like my hands off the, the handlebars. Yeah, and there, you know, and and for me that represents a lot because it represents, you know, first of all, you shouldn't be doing that, right? You shouldn't should <laughs> always have your hands on the handlebars. Uh, represent freedom. The motorcycle for me represents this connection I had to myself when I was in, I don't know, the fifth, sixth grade. And I got my first little scooter, which was a, a lawnmower engine moped thing, and I was putted around the neighborhood by myself, and I just felt like I was flying and it made me so happy. And then, you know, life happened, you get married, you're not allowed to have a motorcycle. My parents told me they would disown me if I had a motorcycle, all this kind of stuff. And so (laughs) people think I just like motorcycles, but it represents something. It's tied to my story, you know, it represents freedom, it represents courage, it represents, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's the visual I see. And then underneath it, you know, I have a lot of sayings like love hard, resist nothing and all that. But I think the, the one that's strongest would probably, or the one that resonates with me the most is, uh, trust your story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And- it's, it's, it's so funny because one of the things I, I love to ask people when they, when they tell me what comes up on their billboard is two questions, right? Imagine that there's someone walking through Times Square right now and they look up and they see that. Like, firstly, how does it make them feel? Right. And secondly, what do they do next because they've seen it? Because to me, that like the answers to those two are really interesting. Yeah. So I'm putting you on the spot. How does it make someone feel when they see that image? Um, it makes them feel like their story's okay. It makes them feel like I don't want to rip out chapters. It makes them feel that their story is actually valuable. Yeah. You know. And then what, what like, what action might that uh, influence? Like, what might they do because they've seen that? Um, be them on purpose. <laughs> um, um, do things, you know, it, it, uh, stop ignoring that, that whisper that they've been ignoring for so long. Um, stand on their truth, um, you know, pull from them solid self, like all that stuff that I – that I write about and try to do myself, I think it, it lines up. Yeah. It makes me, when I think about it, I'm like, it makes me want to book a ticket. I'm like, oh, I just, that makes me want to go on an adventure. Oh, right. Exactly. You know I mean? Right. And, and here's <laughs> yeah. the thing about your brand, guys. It could mean, so your message, the flag that you're waving, it could mean something different to every individual, right? So like Absolutely. when you see that motorcycle and, 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 and uh, trust your story, you're thinking about adventure, planes, you know, traveling the world. 
someone may be thinking about um, speaking, someone may be talk, thinking about, okay, I need right. to write my book, whatever it is, um, or I need to get into the gym. You know, here's what's, yep. here's what's interesting. This is what I love. I love when brands are not on the nose. So like, if you take the image that I just presented to you, the dude on the motorcycle, you know, hands, freedom, and on the bottom, it just says, trust your story. And it turns out that that's a billboard for, say, a fitness company or gym. Yeah. That makes it really cool instead of um, – so I like things that are kind of like obtuse. That are like, yeah. you know, you wouldn't think that this is a, a, a chocolate company, but they're talking about some kind of lifestyle. You know, it's not right. it's, it's not like, you know, we're the sweetest or something that's, you know, just <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's the funny thing is that, like, to me, that's such a screw-up, right, is when – when brands try and shortcut this process of the why, and it's so obvious when they've, when they've like tried to reverse engineer a why that fits around what they actually do. Right. Whereas if it was, um, you know, if it was a chocolate brand and that was their billboard, that to me would be far more interesting as, you know, yeah, exactly. something to get it's, my head around. Yeah. Right. Instead of a picture of a candy bar that says, you know, exactly. that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, lives a sweet life. Um, <laughs> There, there's a brand called Kiehl's. I think they're like high-end skincare lotion. Yes. And they're having conversations about cancer and other stuff, which has nothing to do with lotion, but it fits under their uh, brand, their message. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, guys, when you're starting your brand, so let's, um, let's kind of recap in some takeaways. Uh, mm. Number one, think about your why, right? Think about your message, the flag that you're waving. And also that could change, right? Yeah. Um, don't copy other brands. Mm. right it's such a big one oh my god i think it's it's so dangerous it's so hard I've though it's so hard I've not to yeah, yeah. I, I, like i think um i think when you go through the branding process if you can find a way to maybe not literally but like shut yourself off in a dark room and stop looking at everyone else then i really recommend doing that because yeah. otherwise even if you're not intentional about it, you will end up sounding like someone else or using someone else's copy or kind of right. having photos taken that look right. like someone else's. Just, yeah, it's, that's never a good thing. Instead of a bitten apple, let's have an orange, but it's being peeled. No, um, I, I think uh, it's, I mean, we're around, it's, there's so much noise out there today that we are, uh, you know, taking in stuff that we like and then it comes out whether we're aware of it or not. So be aware if, they, if you are copying someone because that's just going to make you look warm. You know. Absolutely. Um, what else? What What other few kind of tips, steps, uh, p people creating their own brands? Um, I would say like blend who you are with what you do, mm, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I, you're a really good example of this. Like you're, everything you've built, if you think about the angry therapist in terms of the coaching and now the teaching, the speaking, none of that has anything to do with CrossFit. Right. None of it has anything to do with motorbikes, right. but those two things are, are really part of your brand, right? And they are, they're almost like flags that attract people and they're like, oh my God, I'm really into CrossFit. I'm going to, I'm interested in that, you know? And I think so often we try and like compartmentalize everything, whereas actually the, it makes your brand more interesting. So they're like, you know, brand strategy has nothing to do with surfing, but if you sign up to my email list, like, holy smokes, you're going to hear all sorts of random surfing shit in there right. because that's who that's I am. That's who you are, and absolutely. That's who I am, and, 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 it, and it helps to stand me out from other people who do the same thing as me. And so if you can find a way to blend those things together, and, and what's amazing is that what tends to happen is you find incredible metaphors from the other stuff that you're interested in that will help with what you actually do. Oh, I love things. that. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So like you can use 
motorbikes or CrossFit or any like fitness stuff is a great metaphor that you could use when you're coaching someone. Right. And the same with me. Like if I'm talking to someone about entrepreneurship and like hustle and having to do the work, like I can take that back to surfing so easily. Yeah. But it's so much more interesting because now I'm seeing it through people are seeing it through my lens and, and using my language rather than just the generic stuff that everyone's saying, you know? Yeah. So what we want to underline guys is put the weight on who you are more than what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, and also who you are is going to make what you do uniquely different than everyone yeah. else. Right. If you tie it to that. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I was going to say tip wise is instead of um, forcing a brand to happen, just create a space and that brand will evolve and present itself. So for me, I never set out to create anything. I just fucking I just was like, okay, I'm going to talk about my feelings and document my journey. And so yeah. I and I did it consistently. And I did it for years and I created a space for um, messages and, and brand stuff to kind of appear and evolve. Um, so sometimes it's not about um, working outside in, it's about working inside out and in just create a space and, and trust that a brand will naturally form, you know? Yeah, and it's that idea of just starting, you know, like you have to just start and, and, and I think we're so, I don't know, we're so conditioned to, to assume that there are all these things that need to be done before we can start and, and it's, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've read any of like Malcolm Gladwell, but he yeah. has this whole thing around 10,000 hours. It's like, if you knew that you had to do 10,000 hours before things were really going to kick off for you in your business, you'd be like, holy shit, I just need to start right now. Right, right. <laughs> so, that the, so that the clock starts ticking, right? But instead, people try and do all this stuff behind the scenes and they don't actually start. And it's like, you know, the very best experience you're going to get is once you're actually in there doing it. You know, it's, it's so easy to kind of sit out and look in and kind of plan and strategize, but it's like, just get in and start doing it. Like, I, you know, I, when I look back at, at events that I used to run, like, sure, I'm kind of slightly horrified and very relieved that there were never any freestyle motocross accidents, right. but I learned so much from doing it. Like I could never have learned how to run events had I not just gone straight in and started running them, you know? Yeah. And, and, and my, my story with that is, um, when I started the catalyst course, I started selling tickets for it and I didn't even have, I didn't have any instructors and I have no idea what I was going to teach. Yeah. And or how long it was going to be. I, hadn't, I just I just so I sold like five or six tickets. And then once they paid me money, now I had an obligation. Well, and I yeah. put the course together. And now it's like fucking building the bus while I was going, you know, <laughs> but it's like, it, I mean, the tech industry do that a lot, you know, they and like, that's the whole kind of lean startup idea, right? right? right. It's like, you have to validate your idea. Like, like you can spend you can spend years in a cave working on this epic thing and then you come out and it's just crickets because no one actually wants it. So right. by doing yeah, like maybe it's a slightly risky maneuver, like doing what you did, but it's a smart one because so long as you know you can get your shit together and actually build the thing that people have paid for, sure. like at least you know. Like I mean, you know, like, but hey, that's I'm on something the right path. you have to know that about yourself and that's what I know about myself is if I right. don't if I don't pull the trigger I'll never do it. Um, and so look at it now. I mean, now we have, a, you know, all these instructors, we've already graduated. Now we're approaching almost 200. Um, I got to meet people like you. I mean, so much has come from it just right. by me pulling the trigger and not getting in my head, not thinking about what it's going to look like, but just being in the moment and doing it, you know, be yeah. beca becoming like this whole idea of a, 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 just being a fucking mad scientist. And, 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 yeah, it, and it's yeah. like, you know, you, it's like what people say, uh, fail as fast as you can. I think that's why they say that is so failure doesn't become the wall that you have to climb over, but it just becomes, you know, they're just, uh, like you said, like the 10,000 kids, I have to, I know I got to, you know, get to that island. So I might as well start yeah. swimming no matter what, you know? 
Yeah. And it's funny, I think, you know, one of the other things, if, if we're thinking about building a brand, but but also like just building a business, I actually had a, con- a really funny conversation with a friend about this this morning. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite kind of business mentors is Gary Vaynerchuk, right? And there's one thing, one video that he made that I like, I watch it again and again, because he talks about how if you're an entrepreneur, you have to be able to get punched in the face again yeah. and again and again. Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny because it's the thing that I remember because it's so, so true. And there's that level of resilience that you really need to have because it's not easy and there are going to be times when you think you've like made a really screwy decision and there'll be times when you look at other people with like a regular day job and you kind of wish that you were them and it's I think there's so much about building a business that is that is scary and that is hard and it requires so much um so much courage and so much resilience and so much work that yeah. a lot of people don't realize that um but I think just knowing just knowing that in the back of your head is is useful because it will come in handy at a at a dark moment, you know. Yeah, I don't think entrepreneurship is something you do. I think it's something you are. So, like, yeah. when I think about myself, I remember at about age nine um, when I got my first giant skateboard. Um, I turned my backyard into like this uh, little amusement park where I thought I was going to charge you know someone three dollars to sit on my skateboard <laughs> and, and push them around the backyard and like you know paint cans would fall and then you would get scared and all that. Um, and, and listen, no one showed up, but <laughs> I actually think that sounds epic. I think right. I would have paid for it. <laughs> but but it's the mindset, you know, it's the right. it's the imagination and drive of a nine year old spending hours setting up his backyard with little tricks and stuff, thinking that he was going to uh, create this little roller coaster and charge people, and it was a uh, you know, and then when I found out my, my grandma just came to Korea from Korea and she was living with us and I found that she had sewing talents, I was trying to get people to bring their garments into the, the, the side <laughs> of my house to get, you know, my grandma. So like that's always been yeah. in me and it's it's something that will never leave. And I, I know that when I'm punching a clock, I'm completely watered down and miserable. Yeah. And it's like so um, yeah, and I think many people um, they just have to connect with that part of themselves and, and let and give that you know entrepreneur side a voice and just start leading into it and feed it and growing it. And I think that it's funny that I was talking about you know being punched in the face because to me that the I don't know the essence of that. I always think of Rocky. It's like you have to have yeah. that. To me, what's really valuable is having that like bit of you know tapping into whatever Rocky looks like for you. Of just this right. absolute like sheer stubbornness, like I'm gonna freaking make this work, you know? And I and it's and it's a really valuable asset. Like sometimes it gets you into trouble, right? But most of the time I think it's a really valuable asset. And if it's something that you haven't cultivated much of, then then it's then I think it's worth kind of yeah. You know getting in getting into. <laughs> yeah, you know what's the best thing about Rocky, and Rocky's one of my favorite movies, um, is is not only the movie, I mean, the movie's great. It's almost a perfect script, but right. it's, it's actually his personal story on how the movie got made. That's almost yeah. a better story than, yeah. you know, I mean, just like selling his dog, live, living off, you know, tuna, like all the shit that happened. And also right. when he had nothing and people were offering to buy his movie, but he wouldn't, they wouldn't let him star in it, him saying no to that, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and then just the journey of how the movie got made is just, it's fucking, it's a, such an inspiring movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I was also going to mention one more thing. I, I, I um, so I, I have a uh, an influencer agent now, which is really hilarious. Oh. Um, and we were talking about you know followers and all that kind of stuff. And I know everyone out there is obsessed with following. And I know it's a real thing. You know, people are buying, um, paying uh, Instagram followers for their uh, 
their ad space. I mean, if you have yeah. uh, if you have two million followers, you're you could charge eighty grand per post. Like it's ridiculous, you know. And people yeah. are making real money. Um, and it's easy to get caught up in how many followers you have and comparing yourself. And I just want you guys to know, um, and this is not just coming from me, but it's validated by a legitimate influencer agent, and he's at a pretty big agency, is that um, the the birth of the micro-influencer, and you don't, mm. it's more about depth than width. Yes. And, I, and I've been saying this for so long. So, you know, it doesn't matter if five people are following you or five million, engage with whoever is listening. Um, yeah. because if you go deep, you will get the width, you know, if you're, Absolutely. if you're focused on width, it's going to be short lived. And listen, if you're, you know, if you're aesthetically blessed and you're very attractive, <laughs> you may have a hundred thousand followers, but if there's no engagement, you're not going to convert anyone. They're just, right. And, it, and so it's, you're basically commercial. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the interesting thing is people do this, they do this outside of social media as well as they get obsessed with the numbers, right? And so they spend more time looking for new clients or new customers and they don't actually take care of the people who are already in, yes, yes, you know, absolutely. and it's like, no, like take care of the people who are in and same thing goes with social media. Like have conversations with the five people who are like signed up to your email newsletter, even if one of them is your mom, like just do it. <laughs> you know, that's how everybody starts. And like, you're so right. Like those kind of, those kind of um, relationships, you have no idea where they're going to go and how they're going to build, but they, they won't happen unless you invest some time in them, you know? If you give your client, um, you know, if you own a yoga studio, your member, a gym, your members or, or your followers, it doesn't matter who it is. If you give them an experience that is uniquely you and very valuable, that will go much further in them telling other people about you than you yeah. take, taking out ad space or trying to sure. throw a net that way. Um, I really believe in working inside out and uh, taking the, the, the people that you have, investing in them, and let them be the megaphone instead of you tap dancing and, and trying to get people into You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Because we, you know, we believe our friends when they tell us that something's epic rather than, yeah, the, the kind of car salesman. Like, of course he's going right. to tell us that the car's epic. It's right. his job, you know? Right. That's how, you know, that's how movies make money and that's how books spread. It's all word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, as you're creating your brand, um, I hope uh, some of this conversation was uh, helpful for you. And um, think about some of these things. If you already know, let them be reminders. Um, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me. This was so fun. No worries. It was good to chat. Yeah, I love this. I could talk about this shit for days. Um, where can we find you? Uh, okay, so, well, two places, actually. The One, ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ocean um, in different places around the world. No, so helloglobebranding.com. Yeah. That's my branding site. I'm actually just about uh, two weeks away from launching an online version of Super Stoked. So Super Stoked is the um, branding program that I run, and so nice. far I've just been doing it one-to-one, -one, but I'm just about to go online, so that'll be fun. Um, but then also just lindsayhawkin.com. I actually just built this site because I was going a little bit crazy because people would ask me what I do and I had a whole bunch of different stuff going on and so I kind of put it all onto one site. So if you're like randomly intrigued by some of the other stuff that I do, like the sup kids thing and some of the surfing stuff, then that's where you'll find all that. So yeah. Yeah, check her out. Um, you know what I was going to say is I was going to say you hold up and let me explain this. Um, so I met Gary Vanderchuk once and I think he holds up too. And, and uh, what, right. I mean, what I mean by that is so back in the day, I met um, 
I met Matt Damon when I was running the club thing, and uh, he stayed in our, in our little VIP room for like I hung out with him for like seven hours. It was crazy, <laughs> and I remember just observing him, him in there, and it was only me, him, and my promoters. So there was only three of us, and I didn't know him at all. And I was just kind of observing him, you know, here's a, a movie star that I'm hanging out with for hours, and he wasn't like wasted, he was just being himself, he was telling us stories, and he treated me like we went to high school. And I was really mm. shocked by that, and I was thinking, you know what, all these things about Matt Damon that you read, how he's a stand-up guy, like in person, he fucking holds up. He he actually, nice. he is who yeah. he kind of preaches, and you know, um, and I've never met The Rock, but I feel he's probably like that too, and there's a lot of uh-huh. other people. Um, and when I met Gary Vee... Um, he came, he came, um, so I was, I was on this little reality shows, a, a competition for entrepreneurs, and he came after the show, uh, after we filmed, and he made a point to like shake everyone's hand and just be real. And I remember I made eye contact with him, um, um, behind the scenes when we were like grabbing pretzels, and he like came up and said, What's up? And I was thinking, Wow, this guy, he's no different than he is in all his video. Like, this is just him, you know? It wasn't right. like he didn't have like this other persona. And, I think one of the greatest compliments is that you hold up, especially with social media now and filters and how you can present yourself. And I just want to say to you that you hold up. Wow. I, the fact that I'm even in like a paragraph with Gary Vaynerchuk makes me so happy. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So guys, check her out. She's a real deal. Um, she lives the life that she preaches and um, yeah, everyone's branding. So um, give Lindsay an email. All right, Lindsay, thank you so much and uh, be well. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast presented by Shift. If you'd like to learn more about what you've heard on today's show, head to shift.us. That's S-H-F-T dot U-S for more information. Feel free to rate us, review us, and tell a friend.